we said the theme of the uh, the episode today is in fact um, securing .NET applications. This is actually something that's one of those topics that isn't really talked about uh, often, but unbelievably important when it comes to applications. And um, Joel Ibera is actually uh, an MVP. Uh, you have all his contact information on the screen there for you. Um, he did a talk at uh, Tech Days um, about the ASP.NET uh, security skeleton uh, that he's put together and sort of some of the guidance that uh, when he goes out and he talks to developers about security, um, sort of how he looks at security, what to look at from a documentation perspective, um, and so on and so forth. So. Without further ado, I'll uh, I'll let you guys uh, see that, and then we'll have uh, Joel live on the show here to uh, to take any of your questions. Um, so make sure, like I said, as always, when you're watching, um, you know, make sure to jot down questions in the chat. Don't hesitate to wait until the end. Put them in there as you go, and uh, we'll have uh, Joel on the show to uh, answer those for you. So with that, uh, let's uh, let's get that clip rolling for you. Since this is a lightning talk, I'd like to probably inspire you instead of being a mentor, a teacher, or somebody who's going to lecture or do something of that sort. Um, I went to a conference some time ago and I met Oren Aini Allende Rathian, who is the, one of the contributors to uh, Hibernate. Uh, after leaving that talk, I was quite a bit inspired and I went home and did uh, some coding, some artificial reviews. And I think that sometimes you need that kind of a push to go forth and learn as much as you can based on something. Sometimes you got to ignite that passion. So I'd like to probably do that with some of you today, get you thinking about uh, software security and some of, some of the fallacies of uh, the way that we build our code with regards to security. Um, one of the things I'd like to talk to you about today is the fact that the software architecture document does not have anything in it based on threats, doesn't have any security related elements in it. Um, good luck going on the internet and trying to find a software picture diagram that actually has something which relations to security. So let's, without further ado, let's go take a little look at this. So if I go on the internet and peruse, usually you'll find some templates like this one here. Software architecture documents, and usually they'll have approximately five sections, sometimes more. Um, discussing on multi-threading, how the database interacts, how the components talk to each other, how the code is going to uh, interact with other systems, uh, what methodologies, CSLA, are you going to be using Oracle, uh, all these types of things. But one of the things that's uh, missing is what are you going to do to mitigate against threats? What are you going to do to secure the application? Uh, we usually utilize a software architecture document in order to go forth and build software in the correct manner. Let's take a look at a software architecture document that has some of this integrated. So here's a sample software architecture document that I am proposing. So a sample um, architecture document that you take, you go ahead and plug in it. And let's take a look at what I've added. I've added a segment called Architectural Goals and Constraints related to security. So the basics, canicalization attacks, SQL injection, cross-site scripting, you can add cross-site request 4G, one-click attack, session hijacking, and all of this. Uh, a little bit further, let's go take a look at the entries for these. The first one I talked about was a canicalization attack. 
what I like to do is in the software architecture document, I like to write down the name of the threat. I like to write down what it is for the junior programmers, for those who are not very keen with security. This way they can look inside the software architecture document, peruse it, get to know why these, uh, this code to mitigate against these threats is inside, what it's doing there, how, where I can download, where I can learn more about it, what is the attempt to mitigate, and lastly, what is the code. You can go even further as providing links and whatnot. Now, why would you want to do this in the software architecture document? Now, the person that's responsible for the software architecture document is usually the software architect. And I like to say a small fable. I'd say that the developer always asks the software architect, why are you so sad? And most people don't get this, but sad is the acronym for software architecture document. Um, that's usually the difference between the developer and an architect is the deliverable. A uh, software architect usually will be working in enterprise architect, drawing things out. It should be, add, uh, something like this for security should be added in the software architecture, architecture document. We shouldn't wait for the person doing the TRE, the security officer, to come along and do a uh, uh, threat model or a vulnerability assessment or one. It should be done at the start of the phase. Uh, I know with certain SDLCs, you should start from uh, the beginning, but that's usually not the case. I've been in industry quite a bit of time, more than 12 years and usually that's not the case. Um, why are we talking about software architecture documents? Why are we talking about this need? just want to bring forth something that I've been working on. It's a small ESP.NET security skeleton. So what I like to do is inside that uh, software architecture document, what I like to do is map it to a security skeleton. So if we start a new project, we can go ahead and relate everything that's written down in a software architecture document to my security skeleton. I'll give you a quick example of what is contained in a security skeleton. Um, I'll just zoom in so you can see. And that's some HTML sanitizers. Because if you're relying on the intrinsic ones from Microsoft, um, I would suggest to augment on them. Here's a small uh, something to grab, get you, get you thinking. Take a look here. Do a quick search on the internet how to bypass the intrinsic Microsoft validation uh, requesting. Uh, depending on which kind of browser you're utilizing, I can either take the path of the script KD, run something, and guarantee that I will penetrate your website, or I can, by experience, uh, uh, by utilizing different scripting techniques, just go in and bypass these things. It's good to have something to augment. The Microsoft cross-site scripting library is a good one. Um, the sanitation library that I have here is also another good one. Um, secondly, I like utilizing something called an IP address range. Um, this thing here is a small class. It was written by uh, Monsieur Rabiel. The fun thing with this is when you're working with media and you're saying you have to pay to play to receive this media, you're going to have to take a look at uh, usually IP ranges. So let's say you're selling newspapers to a government department. That government department is giving you money based on that. They're going to say, well, we'd like to pay $10,000 a year to receive those. You're going to scan the IP addresses in and out. This uh, type of thing here is exactly what you need. You verify a range, uh, bring it in and out. This usually works in conjunction with the blacklist in order to do so. I just want to talk quickly about some of the constructs. Uh, one of them I'd like to talk about this DOS attack module that I have here. 
So one thing with denial of service or distributed denial of service, usually it's uh, when somebody attacks you with this, they'll do it with a, a big button and they'll do it with the excess or they'll do it with a lower bit ion cannon. If you think you're going to mitigate uh, at the application level against a denial of service attack, this is a pipe dream, it's never going to happen. What you can do though is mitigate against too many requests. So if you ever built a contact us form you worry that somebody was going to send too many emails, you can limit the amount of emails per IP address programmatically. But what happens if somebody uh, starts modifying their IP ranges and you want to mitigate against this type of an attack, you might have to do a trace route and see how many hops back they go. Because usually when somebody is attacking you, they're going to be hiding behind numerous proxies, 17, 18, 20 at a time. Um, here are the things that I have here in my security skeleton. I usually have a blacklist, which I inverse to have it into a whitelist, a country blocker. So if I'm building something here for a client in Canada, they only want to do business with uh, Canadian people or with the Canadian government, it's a good idea to block other external content, especially from places where you know that a lot of attacks come from. Uh, how to place an email on a website in a manner that it's not going to be aggregated by some kind of a spider. Um, I have IP whitelist, secure sessions, things for SQL injection. We're going to do a small demo um, of some of the elements that we have in here. Um, how about we do a uh, do an execution here of this library. What we have inside of this library here is essentially for a loop that's going to execute against my site about a hundred thousand times. Let's see that my CPU here is spiking to approximately fifty percent. So if I stop this, scroll down, go to my web config. Add my denial of service, just done by Matt Spitzenson of the SP.NET team. I tweaked it a little bit, but it's the same thing. Now if I execute this, instead of spiking, instead of hundreds of thousands of executions being performed on my website, once this loads up, it's going to stop the execution. So it does this in the SP.NET pipeline. So if I go ahead and zoom in, we get a forbidden. Now it's up to you. I showed you a few tools that we had in, in uh, the security skeleton. What you should do is take that IP address of the person who's executing too many times, put that in the IP blacklist, uh, put that in your a database, keep it for a few days, um, bring it back with an SQL dependency cache. So this way, when you're executing uh, against your uh, HTTP pipeline, the first thing you should check is against that blacklist. Do I have somebody that's blocked? Is there somebody that's blocked inside of there? If the answer is yes, we don't even want to go to the second step verifying how many executions we don't want to do one execution uh, lastly what else could we do there's a notion of a honeypot just wanted to show you here another thing you could do just to augment this small model that i'm talking about here small technique i believe if you go to my web config here something called BL Protector, which is a blacklist module that works in coordination with this site here, Project Honeypot. So what essentially it does is it goes out 
and it downloads a list of IP addresses that have been known to attack. So a honeypot is something that sits there and waits for attacks to come in. Sometimes they are a legitimate company, sometimes they're legitimate companies. So if you are a government organization, you want to know who out there is performing attacks and might not be that well versed or not hiding their IP addresses well enough or not hiding behind enough proxies, uh, you're certainly going to catch their IP addresses. We don't want these addresses being um, showing up against our website, so we're going to block them automatically. How do you do so? You just simply add the DLL and uh, it's going to take a look at these addresses and block them. So by adding just a few HTTP modules and a few DLLs to our website, we saw that we can limit how many requests come in throughout the application with an HTTP module. We saw that we can blacklist by utilizing a simple HTTP module and utilizing the SQL Dependence Cache. Then we can go here and verify if some addresses have been malicious elsewhere and stop those in their track. There's a lot of things that you can do, and this is where it's very fun to have an ASP.NET security skeleton. Um, you're not going to replace the power of an appliance. Uh, there's a lot of things out there for security, but if you are, if you have a budget, if you have time constraints, you have architectural constraints, an ASP.NET security skeleton is something to invest in. Uh, train your team on how to utilize this skeleton, augment on it, and when you start a new project, go ahead and take that skeleton and move along. Uh, lastly, I just want to talk about some of the things that I usually add. Usually add some of the tools that are related to penetration testing. So Brutus, Burp, Screech, Crow, Crawler, John the Ripper, a few other things. Um, I get a lot of people who ask me uh, at the Tech Days presentation that I did where I showcased the entire um, security um, skeleton. They asked me, what tools should I be utilizing? Well, the two main ones that you should be utilizing are Backtrack 5, which is uh, something you can boot off of. A lot of the penetration tools are on there, a lot of the proxies, everything. So if you download this, you'll have a, a suite of things that you can utilize. The second one is Metasploit. Uh, Metasploit is a framework that can execute payloads and whatnot. Uh, go ahead, download it, take a look at it. If you download these two here, you're well on your way to testing your web application. It, you're also going to be using probably Nessus or Actinetics or uh, Watchfire, IBM uh, AppScan. A uh, combination of these uh, can allow you as a developer to start testing your code. You're not going to replace the work of a fine-tuned pen tester, but that's going to take years and years and years of uh, uh, training and mentoring. But as a developer, you should be doing um, the best you can. These are the tools in order to do so. So I leave you with this. Uh, in your next software architecture document, try to integrate security in there. Try to match that security with a security skeleton. And then on the next project that you do, you'll have that security skeleton that could be tried and true at that point. It could have a lot of TREs executed against it. Um, by doing so, you're going to save yourself a lot of headaches, a lot of stresses, and it's, uh, it's a very fun process. Uh, security is one of the, probably the most fun things that we have going for us with the web application. It's not... Um, it's not the funnest sometimes.